You're listening to a podcast of Family Church in West Monroe, Louisiana. Wherever or however you're listening, our hope is that this message would be challenging and inspiring for you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's head to the message. All right, we're going to start on the book of 1 John. And uh, tonight will serve as an introduction to a seven-part series of the book of 1 John. And of course, a, a book like... First John, you could take a lot more than seven nights. Uh, you could take 17, 70, uh, but we believe in, in the next seven weeks we'll uh, get started and at a better understanding at, of the book of First John. And um, one of the most important steps that all of us in this room can take in our walk with Jesus Christ is an effort to hear everything God is saying to us from any given passage of Scripture or any book of the Bible. And, uh, you know, the, the more you read a book, the more you understand, the more you hear, the more you see something that you didn't see before. I know for me, even in the continual reading of this book, uh, you know, there, I've seen things in the last couple of days that I didn't see uh, earlier on, and I keep writing things down and so on and so forth. But uh, I, I pray in this seven-week series, I pray that you uh, learn that there's going to be four of us that are sharing these nights, uh, myself and then Pastors Arvel, Richard, and Michael Stravato. You always have to put Michael Stravato's last name, the other guys you don't, but you have to put Michael Stravato. And uh, I do that in my notes too like you care. But the the great thing, you know, the great thing you guys are about to share, like with four of us talking about the first book of First John, first off, he, he keeps repeating the same things at several, he says it several places in the book, the things that are in First John. And uh, what you'll get when four of us talk is you're going to, you're going to benefit from the fact that all of us process differently and all of us process the word of God differently and the great thing about that is all of you process the Word of God differently. So if somebody, uh, you know, let's say I say something tonight and you don't clearly understand, maybe one of those other guys says it and, uh, and, it, and, and the light bulb hits for you. Maybe because of how they say it or the fact it's the third time that it's said or, or, or whatever the case may be. So I encourage you to, to, to make an effort to even uh, observe the differences of, of, you know, how God speaks to different people and how they communicate that uh, to you, because I think that can be very, very advantageous for all of us, because one of these nights the, the you're going to get, you're going to say, wow, I really like the way he thought about that or, you know, how God showed him that. And it's going to be different because it's different people. And then, and then at the end, we're going to take about 10 minutes and uh, hopefully, if I hurry up and get on down the road, we're going to take about 10 minutes and answer some questions. And so as we go along, if you find a very difficult question, just think, I want to ask Michael Stravato or Richard that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if, it's, uh, if it's real difficult, um, what's, that old, what's that old joke? What was the person? I'll have my chauffeur answer it. <laughs> you know that old joke that the... Guy get, drives for a, the chauffeur swaps with the speaker. He, the, the chauffeur had heard it so many times, and he gets up and speaks, and they get up and ask a difficult question. He said, that's so easy. I'll ask my chauffeur. 
I like that. So let's talk a minute about what deep means. Uh, I think I can guess that, well, you know, we, we said we're going to go deep into 1 John, where we're going to look deep into, is, is deep just more knowledge? Um, if it's just more knowledge, then the Pharisees were the deepest people in the time of Christ because they understood the Word of God. You know, they, they, they were the strictest to follow the, the legal uh, portion of the of the law so if deep is good then the pharisees were great so we're going to look at there there may be more than one part to just knowledge because you know i I can tell you from from my education that increased knowledge does not at all necessarily mean increased uh, submission to God or belief in God or his word or his plan or uh, so, so so we're going to look at that a little different I'm actually I'm going to read a couple of verses of scripture that are not in your um, outline tonight if you, if you look at Luke 6 46 a very familiar verse of script verses of scripture So why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm, but it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation when the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into ruins. So you can know, you could hear and you could know, but if you don't do, then the hearing and the knowing has truly not helped you. T- turn to James uh, chapter 1, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So, so again, and we're, we're going to see this in 1 John, There, there are... Knowledge by itself, or when we say we're going deeper, you know, if, if all you get in deeper is a deeper, under, a more understanding of the Word of God, but that does not change your life. It, if, if it does not change in how you act and what you do, and uh, then it's not doing what it's supposed to. And, and that, that could be tied to your lack of relationship with Jesus Christ or because Jesus is very clear that life with him is a changed life. Amen? Amen. And 1 John goes way down that road. Let's look at some overview statements real quickly here. John wants us all to understand, this, these are just things, I, as I read through and read through and read through, I want, you know, statements that came to me about what he was saying. John clearly wants us all to understand he walked with Jesus. He saw him and he touched him. He's telling these people, 
I'm a, this is firsthand knowledge for me. Jesus had been dead, they think, about 50 years when this was written, uh, resurrected. And so most of these people had not walked with Christ. They had not seen the miracles. John had, but they had not. And so he's saying he's real. I, I saw him. I touched him. The next statement, God is light, and we all have darkness or sin of which we need to repent, and we will be clean. We can be sure we are in right relationship with Jesus Christ. We can be sure. We don't have to guess. Living in the light will show up clearly in our love for other Christians. It will show up in our lack of love for the world. Watch carefully for those who have been a part of the church locally or internationally, but now say Jesus is not the Christ. It's amazing how these things that were written so long ago apply to today because God's really, really good. (laughs) Everyone that has believed and accepted Jesus Christ as the Son of God has been given eternal life. Jesus is real. There are fakes. Love will show who we are and aren't. Love will show who we are and aren't. I want to talk in this, as we go through 1 John, we used a, uh, we used a small book on the, uh, uh, just a small group study book. To, to divide the scriptures into these. And so everybody's assignment, I have three or four passages of scripture that are spread over the first three chapters. And then the other guys have different passages that are spread across the book of 1 John. We're not just going straight down through 1 John. So let's look at 1 John 1, 1 through 4. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This has some similarities to it, and I'm not, I have it on your scriptures down there. I'm not going to turn there right now, but it has some similarities, of course, to the uh, gospel of John in, in the first chapter and first verses of that. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. At this time, John is talking to people. Some of them questioned his deity. Some of them said that he was just a man, and uh, Joseph and Mary were, were, were his true parents. And then there were people who questioned his deity, humanity that he wasn't really human, that when he walked, he didn't leave a track in the sand, that he looked real, that he seemed real, but he wasn't real. And John is speaking to all these things as he 
starts off on the front of this book, in, in the first verses of this book. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. How would we act and lived if we really believed that we were, I know we say we believe, that we, but we really believe that we were praying and serving the creator of the entire world? How would we act? The incarnate son of God, truly God, truly man, if we got up every morning and got a grasp of who we are serving, who we follow, who we've given our life to, how would that affect our lives? How would we act and how would we live? John starts with the authenticity of Jesus Christ. He is who he says he is. He walked with him. John walked with him. Most of the Christians, of course, that John is talking to, they did not walk with him. He walked with Jesus, though. He knew he was real, and he was establishing that with those people. He had the authority to speak about the Messiah. He was a companion of Jesus Christ, which gave him incredible ability to talk about something. Think about the difference for you, for me, if somebody, if we hear a story uh, that Ken didn't see it, but he's, his friend told him about it. His friend walks up who was there, who was in the building when it happened, who saw what happened, who felt the explosion, who whatever. Well, we view that differently. And then, of course, for us today, as we look back to the New Testament, when we look at the life of Christ, we have information they didn't have. We have the most, uh, the most evidence of any person in antiquity is with Jesus Christ and how many times he was seen and where he's written about, not only in the Bible, but in secular documents. So we have a field of evidence, but you have to think they didn't have that back then. They only had John there who had really been with Jesus, really seen Jesus. And there were people that were trying to divide the church and, and draw people out of the church by telling them that Jesus Christ was not the son of God. Either he wasn't human or he wasn't uh, he wasn't deity or whichever one. He, they were saying he was not both, and they were attacking it from both directions, and John is dealing with that. In most any situation, you find a person who, that, you know, when the church was initially formed and, and, and Jesus was there, and there was the day of Pentecost, but this is years after that. This is a generation or two generations after that. Most of these people have not seen, and doubts become, begin to come into people's mind. And, of course, Satan uses any way he can to tear down their belief in the most basic part, which is what still happens today. People want to tear down the most basic part, who Jesus Christ was and the Word of God. They're going to go after those things first. Because if you back off of those things, obviously you back off of the very things that define uh, our faith and what our faith is built on. When I look up at that time and I, and I look down, I try to see if I'm, <laughs> if I'm what I have to do before I go on to, to the next point. If Christ is not who he claimed to be and who he says he is, the entire Bible is undone. Life transformation is founded on Jesus Christ being who he claimed 
to be. We are writing these things so that you're, you're, you may fully share our joy, or as several other translations say, and it is even a mark in your translation, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Do you believe, when, when it comes, you guys, to, to what these people were dealing with, about whether Jesus was really real and it had gone a generation and two or, or two, maybe their parents or maybe their grandparents had seen Christ, had seen the miracles, they believed it goes a, a generation or two and they don't. How about us in this room? Sometimes when people pass their faith from generation to generation, if you're not careful, it might have been your parents or your grandparents who had true life transformation. They, they, they gave their life to Jesus and they were dramatically changed, you know, either from a real lifestyle of sin or just meanness and, and not, not, or whatever, but they, or, or maybe they received a miracle or, or maybe God intervened in their business life or, you know, but there was a dynamic point for them. But if you're not careful, you go a generation or you go two generations and, and the children and the grandchildren believe but they have not experienced that dynamic relationship with Christ. And so when tough time comes, they're not standing on the same thing their parents or grandparents were standing on. And that causes problems in case you don't know it. So if you are a person that struggled, whatever, those are things to examine. Do, do I struggle because when I... I can't show you or tell you that Jesus Christ dynamically changed my life. I'm not much different from my neighbor. I've prayed the prayer, but I'm not much different from most other people I know who are or aren't Christians. Well, what that does to your mind and where that takes you is down a path that weakens you spiritually until that changes at some point. Because Jesus Christ changes your life. There is no... I don't care if you're a pretty good person. There, when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you ought to be able to tell there's transformation in your life and different way of thinking and different way of acting and different way of proceeding and different way of seeing life. It's not just vanilla. You know what I mean? God didn't save me from a life of alcoholism and uh uh, you know, all the stuff that give the testimonies that, you know, that are titillating. He, he saved me from hell. He saved me from sin. I would have, I, I, I was a sinner. I was, God saved me. He changed my life. He changed how I interact with people continually. He, content, he changes my actions continually. And that's the way it should be in your life. Look at 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now we declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we, if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. 
And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So what are the marks of a Christian? Do you bear those marks? Are are the marks of a Christian that you serve in the community, you have a Bible in your house, you don't curse, and you go to church twice a month? Those are things that Christians may do, but there are a lot of people that are not Christians that do those things. Right? Aren't there plenty of people that aren't Christians that serve in the community, that have a Bible in their home, that don't curse, and they go to church, you know, now and again, whatever? What are the marks? These scriptures speak to the marks of being a Christian. So we are lying, but if we are living in the light, as God is in light, then we have fellowship with each other. So if we're lying, if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, are we living in the light? Are we close to Jesus? Does our lifestyle honor him? Are you convinced tonight that you are a Christian? In this book, John says what you believe, how you live, and who you love will tell the truth about our salvation. What you believe, how you live, and who you love will tell the truth about our salvation. What is spiritual darkness? Sin? Anything that doesn't please God? Anything that comes from the enemy and not from God? What is practicing the truth? Every day, every hour, in your home, at work, with your friends, on vacation. Are you seeking to walk closely with Jesus Christ? Do you purposefully avoid darkness? John 3, 19 through 21 says, and and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Therefore, their actions were evil. Do, do, you, do you understand that? People love darkness more than light. Does everybody understand that? Okay. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for this fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. And again, that's in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. And we can be sure that we know him. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Do we know God? What is knowing God? Do I know Renee? What is knowing Renee? I've been married to Renee for 39 years, and I believe I know her very well, the best I've ever known her. And 
You know what she does if I do something that she knows that I know she doesn't like? If I, I can be aggravated, funny aggravating, I think, at times. <laughs> and I, I, she'll say, why are you doing that when you know I don't like that? And I say, well, I, I think it's a healing part. That's what I say to her. I say, Renee, I think this is a healing part of our relationship. She says, it's not. <laughs> but I, I think about what, how many times has God looked at me and said, why are you doing that? James, do you think he's ever thought that about you? <laughs> why are you doing that, Rob? Knowing God, many, we, most of us know a good bit about God. We know what he loves. We know what his word says. We know how he would want us to act and react. And, and sometimes we just choose not to do that. We just choose, just like I believe in a healing fund, choose to do that with Renee. Sometimes we do that in, a, in, in spiritually we just choose. We, we know God enough to know that he doesn't want that. We say we're in relationship with him. We say we love him. We're, we're not out of control. If somebody would give us a million dollars for not doing it, we wouldn't do it. But we choose to do it, even though we know him. Is our fear of not being in relationship with Christ based on our knowledge of our obedience or disobedience? I think why we get scared that whether we get scared something, there are other reasons, but I think sometimes why we get scared we're not saved is because we know about our disobedience, our purposeful disobedience. A place where we have decided we're not going to submit that to God. We're going to stay mad at that person. We're not going to forgive them. We're going to do this. We've made a decision. And that's why we question our salvation sometimes. Because we're thinking a, a person who really loved God wouldn't do this. And yet we're making a conscious decision to do it. Can we live our lives as Jesus did? And what does that look like? Does that mean to go over to Israel and walk where he walked or wear what he wore? Or No, of course not. It means to live life, to love and to serve and to pray for and to share with and to, is to live like Jesus. Let's look at the last passage that we're going to look at tonight. 1 John 3, 7 through 10. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. 
Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. They can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love others, believers, does not belong to God. When does our sin signify we have kept on sinning? It says we can't keep on sinning if, we're, if, if we love God and relationship with him. So, so, so when does our sin signify that we've kept on sinning? When, when does it move from a sin here, a sin there, to we have kept on sinning? And what does it look like to have God's life in us? You guys, back then and today, in a huge way, people try to disconnect knowing God from doing right. Being in relationship with God to doing right. They would, they would act like those things are, that those things are, you can just disconnect them. But if you read 1 John and many other passages in the Bible, there's no way you could be left with that impression that you can disconnect a knowledge of a relationship and knowledge of God and your actions. And what has been said here for years, it started by Pastor O'Neill was, if you are, you will. If you are, if you're a child of God, if you're in relationship with God, then you will do what's right. You will stop sinning, being dominated by sin. We will struggle, people struggle making the message of the gospel clear. The things that we read in those verses by church people are fought every day by church people. But the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the words that are in the word of God are crystal clear, you guys. They're crystal clear. And it's true in West Monroe, Louisiana, just as it was when it was written. It's true at Family Church. Those words are true at 117 Wolf Lair Drive. And they're true at your house, in your vehicle, at your work. Whether you think they're true or not, those words are true. They're accurate. They're from the Lord. George Barna had a poll. I've, I've told these kind of things before. And he found that in a 30-day period, self-identified, these are people who say, I'm a Christian, were nearly as likely, very close as anyone else, to visit a pornographic website, to take something that didn't belong to them, to physically fight or abuse someone, to drink too much, to use an illegal drug, to have said something that wasn't true, to have gotten back at someone for something they did, 
and to have said mean things behind someone's back, clearly there is a gap between the belief and the behavior of many people who call themselves Christians. There's a gap. I'm going to, before these guys come up, I'm going to draw one other illustration to, to signify this. So let's say that over here, I could have uh, Brooke come up and write this because she makes fun every time I write something on the board. I'm going to try to do it right one time. You don't believe there's a God. You know, a person here doesn't believe there's a God. No God. They got no, rela- they got no relationship with God, whatever. They start coming along this path here. And let's say they come along until they, be- they, they come to believe there is a God, but they're still not in relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? But let's say right, we're about the middle right there. Let's say right there they accept Jesus Christ. And they have, you know, he's knocking on the door of the heart. They invite him in, say, my life is your life. Now, they're just right there. They got a long way to go to here. You know, and this is probably what we think of as being deeper. You know, you, you, you study, you go to service, you pray, you, you, you learn about God, you, you gain more knowledge of truly knowing him in the form that I know so much about Renee that I didn't know after five years of marriage. I mean, I can order for her. I can, uh, I, I can. I mean, I, I, I don't even know where to stop as to what I know about her after 39 years. I know how she's going to respond. I know how she's going to answer. I know what she's going to say. I, I, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's very, it's very helpful, <laughs> except where it causes me problems that she uses it back against me that I know her and I'm not walking in that. But that's just coming over here toward this, okay? But John is saying that there's something else here. And he's saying that there's a line down here, and we're going to call this the actions. That just has one L, sinful. Okay. And up here we're going to put holy. Ah, holix I almost had. So, so down here, I mean, you do whatever you want to do. You fulfill your sinful desires. You don't care. And you don't care what anybody thinks or says. You're just lost as a goose. You know, it's just a full life of sin. Up here, your life looks like, I mean, you're, 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 you live like Christ. I'm not saying you're perfect, but you, I mean, you, you honor God, your relationships, your uh, your family, your work. I mean, you are a picture of a person who is striving to honor God in everything that you do. And, and you're different. You're, you're different. You don't gossip behind people's back. You don't say snide comments. You don't, I mean, you're way up here. So let, let's go for a moment then and say that who, which one of these quadrants do we know is a Christian? I guess it's this one over here, right? That you're you're in the you're on the holy side and you know you've accepted Christ in your life. I mean, we, we would think you're you're growing to know God and your lifestyle's becoming 
like Christ. You're going to heaven, right? That's what we all believe, huh? Okay, let's say you do not know God and you're sinful as sinful can be. We're going to say that you're lost. We're going to say you are not going to heaven when Jesus comes back. Okay? So, let's go, let's go up here. So, you're a good person. You know there are good people that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. You're a good person. Nice, serve people, but you have not accepted Christ into your life. Are you lost or are you a Christian? So, let's say that you've accepted, you prayed a prayer, but there is nothing in your life that makes you look like a believer. There's been no life change, foul mouth, gossip, da-da-da. I mean, just, I mean, it's, you're just, but five years ago, you prayed a prayer. Are you lost or are you a Christian? It's what I would, it's my understanding of the Word of God. Now, you understand at the moment you prayed a prayer of salvation, you could be right there on that set. You could walk as the worst sinner in the world and walk in and accept Christ. But if you have a true life change with Christ, it's going to move. You know, it's going to move pretty quickly down in here. You know, and, 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 but it's going, to, it's going to be moving. I mean, you're going to be seeking to, guys, would y'all come on up, please? we got three minutes to ask questions. <laughs> but I, I really liked this. You know, that puts some clarity to, in, in my mind, to those, to, to some of those questions about, and, and let me say this, if you, somebody may argue here, here, is this the person? Yeah. Well, you're, you're not giving enough time, you're not whatever. All I know is this, uh, it's not, I, I, you're right, I'm not going to be the one that, I don't know where you cross all those lines, uh, but we've left a thousand questions to answer, but also there's six, seven more nights of this. But, and these guys will be teaching on it, but um, I, I don't want to be in this quadrant when I stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. I can at least tell you that. And I don't want my family, my children, my grandchildren, I don't want any of them in this quadrant. I want everybody in this quadrant that they are growing every day to know God and they are reflecting His image more and more every day. Then I feel good. Thanks for listening to the Family Church Podcast. You can stay connected with us at familychurch.org or by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission at Family Church is to pursue God, make disciples, and strengthen families. If you're in the West Monroe area, we would love for you to come join us. You can check out familychurch.org for our location and service times. 